It's another episode of Doable Discipleship on another beautiful Tuesday. How you doing, Jason? I'm doing great. It's our first November Tuesday yeah, of this is. year, of 2018. That is true. This is Doable Discipleship, which is a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your friendship with God, but Jason likes to call it... The show that helps you grow, and you know what else helps you grow, Doug? Hmm. Class. Class is what helps you grow. You don't uh, say. I, I do say, and I'm saying it now. So we have a class coming up November 11th, Sunday, November 11th. Um, take class 101, 201, 301, or 401, wherever you are as you're rounding those bases of class. Um, if you take class 201, don't forget, you get to learn the four spiritual growth habits that you need to develop. We've talked about them on this show. Go and learn about them even more um, in class 201. November 11th, and make sure uh, to visit saddleback.com slash class to register and for all details uh, for class at every campus. Good word. I uh, also want to remind everybody about saddleback.com slash doable, which is our fancy new home on the web. Uh, saddleback.com slash doable is where you can find all our previous episodes. So when you hear us talk in an episode about, hey, we did an episode on this a while back, go check it out. Saddleback.com slash doable is a great place to go and find all that stuff. Um, so please go visit that. Let us know what you think. We think it's pretty cool. Uh, now, we're officially in November. Yes. The leaves are falling. The cool breeze is blowing. I love it. And that means that Thanksgiving and Christmas are right around the corner. It also means... Videos of dogs jumping in piles of leaves. Yeah. Which is always fun. It does. And children also. Leaf yeah. angels. There you go. If you're somewhere in the world where there's actual seasons and not here in Southern California. Not here. Yep. Anyway, Christmas coming, Thanksgiving coming, and that means lots of time for many of us with friends and family and that kind of thing. Um, and what it also may mean is that some conflict might actually kind of come bubbling up to the surface as you're having to sit around the dinner table with people maybe you don't see too often. Uh, you got to sit down with like Aunt Muriel and all her weird views and all that kind of nonsense. <laughs> and you have some maybe long-standing conflict with friends or family that most of the time goes unnoticed because you don't see each other. But sometimes around the holidays we get together and sometimes those uh, old long-standing beefs can kind of come back up to the surface. So what are we talking about? You may be thinking, Doug, why are you getting me so scared for this holiday season? <laughs> I dread time with my family. Hey, and you may be asking, what does this have to do with discipleship? Well, guys, as followers of Jesus, we are commanded to do everything within our power to promote harmony in all of our relationships. We did a whole series on the relationship principles of Jesus not too long ago, but this time we want to go deeper into conflict resolution. We're going to be talking about um, living at peace with others and how, how it's actually a very important mark of discipleship. Mm-hmm. We're going to lean on a couple verses throughout this two-part series, but we'll, we'll cover them now as we get started. Romans 12, verses 17 through 18 say, Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And then Matthew chapter 5, verse 9 says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. So, do you have strained relationships with any of your friends or family members? Are you sitting there already picturing yourself at the Thanksgiving table right across from Uncle Bob and he's just glaring at you and you're just eating that chicken like or that turkey just really hard right off the fork, just right back at him? Okay, <laughs> maybe this now is the time to reconcile, guys. And we want to give you the tools to do it. I've never heard of anyone eating turkey at someone. <laughs> it's it's the visual if you picture it. It's, yes, no, it's it makes best, perfect sense. Yeah. No, you're totally right. So this is going to be a two-part doable discipleship special. We're going to walk you through an overview of biblical reconciliation so that with God's help, you might have a chance to celebrate Thanksgiving and Christmas with your loved ones with greater harmony than ever before. So stick around. Do not go away. All right, let's begin this special two-parter on conflict resolution, uh, on reconciliation. We've all got relationships that need a little bit of tuning up, a little bit of improving. So let's jump into it. One truth to start off with is that if we want to live a life that honors God, we got to strive to live at peace with other people. And on that note, uh, I want to let everybody know that this uh, two-part series 
is going to be based on a training that we do at Saddleback for small group hosts, specifically on conflict resolution. So we're, we're bringing that to you through this two-parter. Um, but that's based on a book by a guy named Ken Sandy, a really good book called Peacemaker. So I would really encourage anybody, and we'll put the link in the show notes, go check out the Peacemaker book. It is a great, great kind of classic work on conflict resolution among Christians. So check that one out. It's just packed with great wisdom and very practical ways to uh, tackle conflict with with loved ones. So go check that out. Um, but as we talk about this idea of, <clears throat> of reconciliation, uh, we have to initially be clear on the idea that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was accomplished in order to reconcile. That reconciliation is, is one of the central themes of the Bible, that God is all about reconciliation. Uh, and we, we can see that throughout the Bible, but when we look at the Great Commandment, we see it uh, as clearly as anywhere. And we've talked about the Great Commandment lots on our show before, but Matthew chapter, two, uh, chapter 22, verses 37 through 39, I'll read these quickly. This is from the NASB. It says, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, let's talk about how conflict gets going. Yeah, so conflict, really, if you get to the heart of conflict, and I said get to the heart, because what I'm about to say is conflict starts in the heart. Yeah, so many conflicts, really, if, if if you boil them down, it comes to this idea of unmet... Uh, desires that we have in our hearts. Some examples are something like, you know, saying, I desire this, or I demand this outcome, or I judge, or I punish. These all um, are are examples of how conflict um, comes out and boils out of the heart. We can see this in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. It says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Isn't it the whole army of evil desires at war within you, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous for what others have, and you can't possess it, so you fight and quarrel and take it away from them. And yet, the reason you don't have what you want is that you don't ask God for it. And even when you do ask, you don't get it because your whole motive is wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure." That verse just hits it on the head so perfectly. It's, it's yeah. Even though it was written so long ago, yeah, it's still like ah, <laughs> yeah. How right. did wait? Were you in my head last week? What yeah, is going it's, on? It's absolutely. I mean, you may be thinking, well, I don't like steal and kill to get what I want. But when you think, when you apply this verse to relationships, and you think of the ways that we're, you know, sometimes doing things just so that we can ultimately get what we want in the end, it sort of shines a light on the inner life that we bring to our relationships and the inner brokenness that comes along with it. Yeah, it's it's this idea of, of, of the, there's something I want, there's something I feel like I deserve or is missing, and um, and if I'm not getting it, then there's conflict as mm-hmm. opposed, you know, so that's what we're really talking about is what should we do when someone close to us is not meeting our desires or disappoints us, mm. right? And the first thing that we should do is consider what our unmet needs are and if they are related to sin patterns in our lives. Mm. Um, that can be a source of of, 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 of conflict. If, if we think that we need to be doing something or having something or and it's not being met, sometimes if it's, if it's if it's because of a sin pattern, then it's not coming from a healthy place. Yeah, you might be wrecking your relationship all because you're jealous or angry about not getting something really is not even a good thing to have in the first place. Exactly. Sometimes that can stem from something like materialism. It can stem from a whole number of different um, sin patterns that can cause us to want something that we shouldn't even have or want to have in the first place. Oh, yeah, that's true. And then the second thing is to turn to God to meet our needs. And that's, if we go back in the James passage that we read, it says, and the reason you don't have what you want is that you don't ask God for it. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's it, sometimes, oftentimes we try to look for other ways, other means of, of getting what we want or getting what we feel like we need. And we strive and we strive and we toil, we toil instead of just saying, hey, hey, God, I, I'm in need here mm-hmm. and talking to God about it. Yeah. And then the third thing is to love the person, pray for patience and ask God's work in his or her life. Oftentimes that can go um, such by the wayside, you know, in, in, our, our immediate um, 
our immediate reaction is to is to have conflict, is to be angry at, to be mm-hmm. disappointed, to think badly of another person if there's an unmet need. Mm-hmm. Instead of instead of acting in love, loving the person, praying for patience, and, and praying for that person, and asking for God's work in his or her life, because ultimately. That's what it should be all about is God's glory coming through and asking mm-hmm. God to bless that person, even if you feel like there's strife or even if you have f- feelings of anger or whatnot. Yeah. And that can be a really hard initial step to take, especially if you're not in the habit of that. Because you have to literally oh, yeah. do the opposite of what like every angry, sinful instinct in you wants you to do. Every Yeah, yeah your bones are just crying for <laughs> something else. Um there's this great passage in 1 John 4 that that's worth adding here. It's, it's 1 John 4, 19 to 21 says, We love each other as a result of his loving us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we have not seen? And God himself has commanded that we must love not only him, but our Christian brothers and sisters too. It's right there in scripture. Mm-hmm. You gotta not only love God, but love others. We talked about it in the Great Commandment, talk about it again in First John. Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit more about conflict, reframing it up. Uh, let, let's talk about some examples. One simple, very common example of conflicts arising or, or sources of conflict is simple misunderstandings. Sometimes we have conflict with people simply because we're not understanding each other properly, because there's a, a uh, there's something that's being conveyed by the other person that we just aren't receiving. We're not interpreting it properly. So sometimes we end up in in really bitter conflict with people simply because we didn't really understand what they were saying, or we didn't see the heart behind what they were saying. We were seeing their their surface level behaviors, their surface level. Uh, we're taking their words at face value and not thinking about what was actually underneath those words. So misunderstandings can be can be a big issue, causing conflict. Second, could be shape differences. In class three hundred one here at Saddleback, we teach uh, shape and discovering your shape for ministry. Um, and so that, that has to do with your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experiences. Um, and <clears throat> the reality is all of us are created differently by God. And sometimes what that can mean is because there are sometimes broad differences between us. You know, Jason and I, for example, are very different people, similar in some ways, different in a lot of other ways. And sometimes we can't, if we don't appreciate each other's differences, then it can be a source of conflict because we will look at a, another person who's maybe not quite like us. And even though there's not necessarily anything particularly wrong with that person, they're just they're just living out the shape that God made them to live. Um, we may not be able to see eye to eye to them just because they're a different person. They think differently. They see the world differently. They come from a different background. And so sometimes just simple differences in the way we were brought up and the way we see the world can cause conflicts, not even necessarily sin issues there. Everybody has their own, everybody has a story. Everybody is different. Everybody is made uniquely. Mm -hmm. And so obviously differences will arise and it doesn't have to become conflict. So it can become just understanding that each person is unique. Yes, exactly. People all over the world, join hands. All right, sinful attitudes and idolatrous desires um, can lead to sinful words and actions, and this can cause conflict. So this is where we're really getting to the meat of it here, where it's not a simple misunderstanding. It's not a simple difference of, you know, culture or background or experiences or, you know, hearts and abilities and that kind of thing. We're talking about real um, wrongdoing. We're talking about sin. And sin is really at the root of the, the most bitter conflict for the most part. Sinful desires of the heart, whether it's things like racism or things like um, just simple pride, which all of us deal with at, at a certain level, just basic kind of childlike level um, selfishness and those kinds of things. Those can be the sources of major long-standing conflict. And those are you know, that's one of the kinds of conflict that we're going to be dealing with in this two-parter. One other thing to remember, too, is that conflict is just a part of life. Um, so we shouldn't necessarily look at conflict as a flat-out negative thing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes conflict can be a really good thing, which we'll talk about in just a minute. But um, that, that's one thing to consider is that, remember, conflict is not inherently wrong. Uh, in the book of Acts, chapter 15, there's a confrontation between between Paul and Barnabas, and there's this disagreement about uh, how they should move forward in ministry. And the disagreement, the Bible tells us, is so sharp and so stark that they actually part ways. But what we find in that story is that in that parting of ways, it's, it's, we, we tend as modern readers to look at that and go, oh no, like that's, 
you know, these guys, like, why couldn't they sort it out? Why couldn't they figure this out? Well, when we look back at that, we actually realize that in that parting of ways, they were both confident that God was calling them in a different direction. They parted ways and each independently did huge, tremendous ministry. And it actually multiplied their total ministry over time in a way that serving together may not have ever uh, enabled. So conflict is not always wrong. Um, One thing we always have to keep in mind, especially when it comes to those shape differences, like we were talking about a minute ago, is that God commands unity not uniformity. And that means we should celebrate how God uh, has given diverse gifts and personalities to people. So sometimes what is causing conflict needs to be reframed, and we need to see it as actually a strength and a beautiful part of the family of God, Um, that God has made people different. We don't all have to be the same. God is not a fan of sameness. God is a fan of diversity. He's a fan of variety. Uh, But he wants us to, though we're different, be woven into the same family harmoniously. So we have to find a way to maintain our maintain our individuality as the people God made us while also accommodating each other and coming together as a unified family. Exactly. All Christians are a part of the family of God. All Christians are part of the body. It's exactly what you were talking about is each part needs to be a little different because that's what makes up a family. That's what makes up a body is each person has different um mm things that they bring, but we uh, don't all have to be the same. Yeah, yeah, totally. Conflict can actually strengthen us, uh, we find. So not, yeah. not just this diversity part, but conflict itself can actually strengthen us. Proverbs 27 verse 6 says that wounds of a friend can be trusted. And there's this idea that we find in wisdom literature and also in personal experience that um, when when somebody else comes to us and we have a moment of clash with that person, it will often illuminate something in us that needs to be dealt with. Uh, Sometimes that person may be coming to you in pure love and you have a moment of conflict that actually brings about something really good and strengthens the relationship. And one reason that happens is because conflict helps us understand sin that might need to be addressed inside of us. There are sometimes things in us that we just can't see on our own. We've all got blind spots and we have a friend who comes to us or a family member or whoever that comes to us and cares enough to point out something that they're observing in us, we have a moment there where we can either react with hostility and push back and get mad and all that kind of stuff and then have this big blowout, or as the Proverbs teach us to do, we can humbly take what they're saying to heart and use it as an opportunity to examine ourselves and ask, God, what are you trying to teach me through this? Speaking of Doug, I've been meaning to tell you something, but I'll wait to do that off the air. (laughs) Okay, great. Now I'm thinking about that this whole time. Uh, So what I'm saying here is uh, on one level, or maybe on many levels, we can actually view conflict as an opportunity. It's not always a a purely bad thing. Um, If it's motivated by sin, that's that's bad, needs to be dealt with. We'll talk about how to do that. But conflict can be an opportunity for, for good things to come about. That's great. So we've talked a lot about about conflict and how conflict is a part of life and examples of conflict. So when we get down to it, what are the goals of Christian reconciliation? What are we striving for? Why should we pursue reconciliation? And the first thing is that we want to live at peace with God. Mm-hmm. That's that's the first thing because all of us have sinned and we have all been alienated or we have all alienated ourselves from God. We've talked about this in a, in a number of episodes, but let's just read Isaiah 59.2. It says, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden face from you so that he will not hear. Um, guys, sin keeps, uh, sin it makes this barrier uh, between us and God. And God has, has, has moved and allowed for reconciliation to, to happen. But sin is still a part of our lives. We still sin. And so, but, but when we, is we can trust that God's his forgiveness, we can trust that what Christ did has b- broken down these barriers, that we can have relationship with God because of what he did, because of what Christ did. And so it's that spirit of reconciliation that we should strive for with our brothers and sisters as well, with others as well. Mm-hmm. And Colossians 1, 19 through 20 says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross it's that's something that we that, that's at, that's the heart of all reconciliation and that's something i think that we 
don't think about as often as we should, or maybe we take for granted. But if you have conflict with anybody right now, I'd encourage you to just stop and take a minute and think about what God did for you Mm. in order to have a reconciled relationship between yourself and God. Mm. And then and then allow that to be the foundation, allow that to be what you stand on as you move towards reconciling that strained relationship you have. Mm. Yeah, God, God's, the way God reconciled himself to mankind, that bridged the biggest imaginable gap. And what that tells me is that if, if God made that kind of reconciliation possible, mm-hmm. that every other lesser kind of reconciliation is also possible. Uh, which takes us to the next one, uh, living at peace with yourself. So, so this is having an internal peace and peace of mind. Um, when, when, we're, when we as believers are not living according to God's commands, we feel a tension within us from the Holy Spirit. And this is what the Bible sometimes calls conviction. And it's the idea that there is a tension within us that points to a dissonance between how we know God desires us to live and how we are actually living. And so there's this, there's this need for us to sometimes actually kind of lean in a little bit and undergo an internal reconciliation, reconciling the way we live with the way we know we ought to live based on God's divine commands. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 says, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Remember, He is the one who has identified you as His own guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So there's a need for us to live with integrity personally, and that there's, an actually, there's actually a reconciliation that can happen on that level too. Yeah, and then the third part, you may have thought this would have been the first thing that we were going to talk about, but it's the third part, is to live at peace with others. God's greatest commandment is to love and honor God and to live at peace with others. We've talked about this now in this episode, a number of times, but it really drives it home in 1 John 3, 23. It says, and this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. There's no skirting around this. Mm. There's no way to dodge this. There is no loophole. It is abundantly clear in, in the great commandment, and it's abundantly clear again here. Yeah. We are called, just as he commanded us, to love one another. It's, yeah. that's it. <laughs> yeah. I like what you said a second ago, too, because you said, uh, you, you might have thought that this should come at the, at the very beginning, because it feels like that's going to be the crux of what we're talking about, and, and it, indeed it will be. But uh, you pointed out something really great there, which is that we actually, in order to, in order to cultivate meaningful, lasting reconciliation with others, we first need to go through these previous stages. We need to first be reconciled to God so that we have the resources that we need to reconcile relationships uh, with others as well as as learning to live at peace with ourselves. So that's good. So living at peace with others is kind of the, the culmination there. Um, one important truth we want to point out here too is that we want to bring honor to God by how we treat others. Now, the way we treat the other people in our lives is actually a huge, uh, as Jason said, I think in the intro, is a big marker of a disciple. Um, but but there are a couple important uh, aspects to this. First of all, one of our most important acts of evangelism, the, the, one of the most powerful ways that we share our faith, is the way that we treat others. Jesus did not pray that we would be happy people. He did not pray that his his brothers and sisters would be happy, but that they would get along with one another. And if you don't believe me and you think that's like kind of crazy, like, doesn't Jesus want me to be happy above all? Well, first of all, if you think that, there are previous episodes <laughs> that you need to go back and list. Check out the Bible Mythbusters episodes uh, to hear us debunk that one. But John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35 says, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So love uh, love here is, is being talked about uh, by Jesus as the ultimate love, the divine love, love that's not conditional on how others treat us, that we treat others with the kindness and love of Christ, regardless of whether they reciprocate it back to us. And this is going to be, an, that's going to be an important theme that we're going to carry forward as we, as we continue discussing reconciliation. But Luke chapter 6, verses 27 and 28 says, but if you're willing to listen, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, Pray for those. Uh, pray for the happiness of those who curse you. 
pray for those who hurt you. So this is a picture of the kind of love that Jesus gave, which is love that is given without regard for personal treatment, that even if others do not love us in return, we're called to love them with the love of Christ. I'll read this verse uh, quickly. We're reading a lot of verses today, but I, we, we want to make sure that you understand that there is such biblical undergirding to what we're talking about here. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7, which 1 Corinthians thir- 13, by the way, is like the, the traditional love it's chapter. The love chapter. <laughs> it's, it's the it's the wedding it, chapter. Yeah, it's got it all. Yeah, It's got it all. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love's not irritable, and it keeps no record of when it has been wronged. Listen to that, passive-aggressive people out there. <laughs> no record of when it's been wronged. But I have my list. <laughs> yeah, burn the list. It says, it's never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. If you've got a relationship that's not living up to this verse, if you've got a relationship that is not enduring through every circumstance, then the time has come for reconciliation, for true, godly, biblical reconciliation. Anyway, so the point I was making there is that how we treat and respond to others is one of the most important witnesses of who Jesus is in our lives. If we fail to, li- to, to live with the love of Christ as we live with our neighbors, um, then we are doing a poor job of displaying to the world the kind of, uh, the kind of God that we serve. And as Jason kind of uh, alluded to a minute ago, reconciliation is not an option for us Christians. This is Reconciliation is a way of life for believers. <laughs> that word did not exactly roll off the tongue. Reconciliation. <laughs> uh, Romans 12, 18 says, if possible, and this is, a, this is like a, this is a verse that I want you all to like drill into your mind, and I'm going to also be memorizing this one as we go through it. It says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Be at peace with everyone to the fullest extent that is within your power. That's Take good. us onward. No, that's good. And this is, is the final point in, in, in this uh, slew of points right here, but I think it might even be my favorite. We've, we've had a bunch of great points, but this might be my favorite. Is true reconciliation is only possible with our submission to God's truths. Okay, God is sovereign over all things, all is capitalized in my notes. God is sovereign over all things. Hmm. God is in complete control of the events that affect us in our lives. And if you think about it, our, our times of greatest spiritual growth often are when we trust God to guide us through the difficult situations and make them right. Um, that there is something about going through trial, going through, through tribulation, something about going through times that just stress us out and frustrate us that can draw us closer to God. Um, The Bible says that God is near to the brokenhearted, you know, and so we can be, we can fully depend on God when we're at this period in our lives where we just feel like there's nothing that, that we can do to make things better ourselves. Mm. There's there's so much that, that happens when we surrender or submit to who God is, to mm-hmm. God. God is near, God is is close to us, and we mm. can just accept that yeah. and, and lean on him in these times. Um, there's, this great, um, there's this great verse, Proverbs 3, five through eight says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. You've probably heard that verse before. And then it continues, seek his will in all you do and he will direct your paths. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn your back on evil. Then you will gain renewed health and vitality. And as we talk about conflict resolution and and reconciliation and as we look at what's coming up in thanksgiving and christmas and everything that that's coming up this time with family it can be it can be scary and it can be frustrating and it can be it can cause anxiety when we think about um having to spend time with people that maybe we have some serious conflict with um but if we depend on God, if we submit to God, if we approach the situation saying, God, I want me, I want to handle the situation the way that you want me to, 
Mm-hmm. And if you if you genuinely submit what you're going through over to him and say, Lord, I need your help. I need mm-hmm. your help with peace. I, 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 need, I need the spirit of peace. I need the spirit of patience. Um, he, he will help you. Mm-hmm. We just need, we just need to, to hand it over and not walk in saying, Lord, I'm going to give you half, but I'm still angry about this, or I mm-hmm. still want to be bitter about this, or I'm looking forward to getting a dig in on, uh, you know, on so-and-so. <laughs> yeah. you know, but I can't it, wait to eat my turkey at that time. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But if you, if you genuinely say, Lord, I want, I want to, I want peace. I want to be mm-hmm. reconciled. And you submit to all the truths that we've been talking about, about our about God's command for us to love each other, to love our neighbors, and to live in the spirit of reconciliation, then he will be with you in that. He will mm-hmm. guide you through that. Yeah. I, the point you're making is so good. Uh, it, it makes me think, too, of something I think we talked about um, many episodes back, but we, we sometimes... I. Th- what what this also tells us is that we can be a little freer than we actually think we are. Uh, because we talked about a minute ago, you were talking about this, that a lot of times conflict arises or we have, we have a stress that comes into the relationship that can lead to conflict because we feel this need to require others to meet our needs. Mm-hmm. That's kind of wordy, but we, we expect other people to meet our needs and that is problematic because nobody can meet all your needs. And what I like about uh, the verse you just read and this this whole point you're making is that when we submit to God's truth, we're also submitting to the truth that God is the one who's our provider. He's the one who meets our needs ultimately. And so sometimes the conflict can get ugly just because we're like, you know, well, uh, you know, if my wife's not meeting my needs, who's going to? Or if my kids aren't living up, living up to my expectations, who's going to? Or if my friends aren't there for me, who's going to be there for me? And so all kinds of conflict can come up because we have this mindset um, we called it before kind of a Darwinian mindset, which is this, I, it kind of, it's the idea that like, that life has to operate on the basis of a scarceness of resources. But that, that is a naturalistic, that's a mindset that says everything is dependent on what I can see and touch and taste and feel and all that stuff. And that, and, and, um, if it doesn't make sense to me, then it can't be real, but we have to be looking at our relationships with a kingdom mindset, which says, I am not going to depend on others to meet my needs. Now, of course, it doesn't mean that we stop being the family of believers. It doesn't mean we stop caring for each other. But it means that at the end of the day, when it comes to my personal relationships with others, I want to be the kind of person that seeks to meet the needs of others and looks to God to meet my personal needs. And if I learn to lean on God more fully, then it frees me up to have an attitude of service toward others rather than an attitude of consumption where I have to take from them. I need you to meet my needs that the word we have for that is called codependency. We don't want to be in codependent relationships with people. We want to be in dependent relationships with God. Yeah, I would highly, highly, highly encourage you to go back and listen to our relationship principles series because we talk a lot about this concept of of doing things for other people but not requiring something in return. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not going in expecting to get, but instead go in with the expectancy to give. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is probably a good place to just pause and say, if this is an area that's a a particular struggle with you, um, if you find yourself really feeling like you have the desperate need to um, kind of be carried by others and you have this this, um, constant feeling of frustration or hurt that others aren't meeting your expectations, I get that. Uh, And and you may want to, you may want to check in, check into something like Celebrate Recovery um, they've got great groups that can help you kind of work through some of those uh, some of those feelings. They've got codependency support groups that can really help with that. And you may want to also get counseling. There may be just be a, uh, some areas of your life that you're leaning heavily on somebody else, and you may need somebody to come alongside you and help you begin to shift that that the burden that you look to others to help you carry. You may want to learn a little bit about how you can turn that burden over to Christ. Um, so we'll we'll put some links in the show notes for some helpful tools on that. Um, Let's move on. Let's talk about reconciling conflict now, shall we? So what if I've offended somebody? Um, and, and knowing whether you have or haven't is kind of, that's a matter of your own personal <laughs> self-awareness. <laughs> but if you learn that somebody has something against you, the Christian thing to do and what God wants you to do is to take the initiative in seeking peace. And, and I want to make an important caveat here. You take the initiative in making peace even if you don't think you've done anything wrong. Even if you think you are completely in the right, you take the initiative. That is the biblical model. 
when you know someone feels wronged by you, feels wronged by you, you take the initiative to make things better. Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 through 24 say this, Therefore, if you're offering a gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. This is a very commonly cited verse in, in church world. This tells us a couple things. One, in this situation, someone had something against the person. So this is, a, this is painting a picture of someone else having a grievance against me first and foremost. But it also paints a picture of, a, of an urgency that's required, that even if you're in the middle of making an offering to the Lord, you should freeze right there, go be reconciled first. Because again, we said God is all about reconciliation. It is really tough. It may even be impossible to have a thriving relationship with God while being in unresolved conflict with others that you have not, that, that you have not at least sought to resolve. So even if I've done nothing wrong, why should I go and, and seek to reconcile? A couple quick points on that. First, Jesus commands it. So right pretty, there, I mean... Pretty blunt. Yep, you're on the hook. Jesus commands it, even if you've done nothing wrong, which, by the way, you may have done something wrong, and you just may not be aware of it, and having this conversation will help to do that, to, to bring that to light. So first, Jesus commands it. Second, peace and unity are among believers... Uh, uh, unity among believers significantly affects how they will receive the gospel. So other people are observing the behavior of Christians. And if we do not maintain peace within our own family, within the family of believers, then suddenly the church becomes a lot less attractive to others because they see we can't even get our own stuff together. We can't even resolve our own conflicts and deal with our own issues. How can, how would, why would someone come to us, come to the God that we uh, claim a relationship with and want to connect with him if there's nothing evident in our lives that suggests that there's any positive outcome of that? And then lastly, only by listening to others can we discover sins of which we're not aware. I talked about this a little bit earlier. So you you may something may come to light that points out something in you that needs to change that you just didn't realize was going on. Romans 12, 18 says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So like we said, do everything within your power to make things right. And remember to get the log out of your eye first. Your confession may open them up to admit some sin on their behalf. We've all had conversations like that. Like that. If you've ever had like a good healing, reconciling conversation with someone where you go to them without accusation and you just say, I'm so sorry for fill in the blank. I'm so sorry that I did this. Will you please forgive me? Um, what often happens is, you know what? Thank you for saying that. And you know what? Uh, this is how I've been acting toward you. And I know it's been wrong. Will you forgive me from my side? So very often, not all the time, you shouldn't demand that this be the outcome because sometimes it won't go this way. But a lot of the time, just that simple confession on your behalf can draw out a lot of other stuff that's been under the surface in the relationship too. Yeah, so um, so what do you do then if someone has offended you, right? So uh, a couple of points here. The first thing we do, and again, this might seem uh, counterintuitive, but the first thing that you got to do if someone has offended you is look at your part of the conflict because a conflict, um, as you may be aware, <laughs> involves two or more people. And guess what? You're one of them. It's true. Uh, so before we criticize others, and, that, and that's usually our, our go-to is, ugh, this person, or, or you know, you just feel angst or whatever towards the other side of the conflict. First, though, look at yourselves. God tells us to first look at ourselves, and we see that in Matthew 7, 5. Hypocrite. Say <laughs> I don't want to say it too loud. I don't want to blow out speakers or whatever, but hypocrite. With an exclamation mark. Yes. First, get rid of the log from your own eye, as Doug mentioned earlier. Then perhaps you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Um, I, I know it's not what you want to do at first. I get that totally. But, um, but the road to reconciliation and the road to conflict resolution starts with first thinking about and, and going through your own part of the conflict. Yeah, it's an attitude of humility. Attitude of humility. And one of the questions that you got to be asking yourself is, is it really worth fighting over? Is this something that's even worth getting angry about or getting mm -hmm. upset about? And one of the keys here is, is to define the issues, okay? Conflicts generally involve two kinds of issues. 
material issues and personal issues. In some conflicts, us they start as material and then become personal as a result of sinful behavior. So the question is, what should we do? Okay, first, address the core issue. What is really going on? And so, sometimes it's kind of under the surface. You got to dig a little bit to find what the core issue is. So address the core issue. The second, don't make it personal or add secondary issues onto the discussion. Don't bring up all this other stuff that maybe you've been, you know, hiding or whatever, or it's just a focus on one thing at a, on what the issue is. Focus on one issue at a time and then look at each issue and ask, is it really worth fighting over? Is this issue worth all of all of the anger I'm feeling is this issue worth, you know, is it worth it getting upset about? Mm. It's and then if you if you do this approach, if you start with yourself and if you address the issue, define the issues, and then really truly asking yourself, is it worth fighting about? That can be a great first step in in what it takes to resolve any conflict that you're going through. Yeah, you might have that initial conversation and realize, you know what, this is kind of silly, and you can kind of just laugh things off. Some conflicts can end with a chuckle and be like, why were we so messed up over this? I was really (laughs) upset when you ate all of the red gummy bears, but I can just go buy another pack. (laughs) Ooh, I'm guilty of eating all them red and the white ones, those pineapple gummy bears, I think they're (laughs) all so good. They don't even taste like pineapple, but they're so good. Uh, you, you mentioned a second ago material and personal issues. I just want to touch on that just real quickly to make sure everyone's clear. So the material issue would be like, what's the actual matter at hand? Like what's the actual yeah. issue that uh, sparked the conflict in the first place? The personal issues are the way that that uh, material issue, like kind of the layers of of uh, personal drama and retaliate retaliatory behavior that got layered on to that. So what it's saying here is sometimes we start with an issue that genuinely upsets us. That's an actual issue that needs to be looked at or dealt with. But because we get frustrated about the material issue, we also start um, behaving poorly and reacting to that material issue in a way that thickens and deepens and um, kind of inflames the con- the the conflict even further so that's the whole idea jason was the point jason was making there is that try to identify the core issue you may realize that all the drama all the personal gunk that came out of that was actually the result of a very small material issue that can be very easily dealt with and then you know problem solved good clarifier let's talk about uh the next thing which is overlooking minor offenses so sometimes you might you might discover that like jason said a second ago some things just aren't worth fighting over it's not even worth getting worked up about And because of Jesus' gift of grace, um, God doesn't deal with us harshly when we sin. And so that's the kind of way that we should deal with others. God doesn't deal harshly with us. We should not deal harshly with others. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 2 through 3 say, Be humble and gentle. You you were talking about the road road to reconciliation. um, And I was thinking the road to reconciliation is paved with humility. This is is a a perfect... uh, This is a perfect follow-up to that. Be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Always keep yourselves united in the Holy Spirit and bind yourselves together with peace. I think I may have, I think I said the reference, but if not, it's Ephesians 4, 2 through 3. So God does not want us to look over all offenses. Some things are important. Some things need to get dealt with. Some things are genuine issues that really need to, to be handled in a loving way. Um, but sometimes you can overlook an offense. You can just minimize things and and just get past it. Here are some, uh, you know, a couple of guidelines for what kind of offenses can be simply overlooked. The first one is that the offense has not created a wall between you and the other person, or, or if the offense has caused you to feel differently about the other person, that it, that only lasts for a short time. So if it's a relatively minor issue that you know you can let go of and that will not be gnawing at you for a long period of time into the future. That may be something that you can simply overlook. Not every little thing that happens needs to be met with a conversation of, hey, you know, when you, you know, put that plate in the dishwasher facing backwards, it really hurt me. And it makes me wonder what the quality of our relationship is really like and like make a big thing out of it. You know, sometimes it's just better just let it go. Just overlook the offense. Um, second, if the offense doesn't cause serious harm to God's reputation or to others or to the offender, him or herself, 
that may be something to, to just let go of as well, to overlook. It's not wrong to overlook um, small offenses. In fact, it's a sign of your gracious, merciful attitude toward others. So one important note here, too, is that overlooking an offense is not a passive process uh, in which you just remain silent until a later time. Again, (laughs) passive-aggressive people out there, (laughs) listen up on this one. Overlooking an offense is not truly being, uh, an offense is not being overlooked if what you're really doing is putting that uh, anger bullet in your magazine for later to be used in a conflict at a later date. And also don't use your graciousness over people. Say, hey, I was going to be mad at you, but I'm choosing to have grace and be merciful towards you. Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of defeats the whole purpose. <laughs> yeah. Or, or you, you, you say to yourself, I'm going to overlook that. I'm going to overlook that. But what's really happening is you are um, creating a, a tremendous internal pressure and, and internal anger that will then just blow up in a later conflict where you guys will have a conversation like, and that reminds me of the time you did this and the time you did that and that plate in the dishwasher <laughs> and every little always thing. Always goes back and to the plate in the dishwasher. all just, oh, dishwasher etiquette. Ooh, it's a pet peeve of mine. I pretty much always load the dishwasher, so I always, I get it just so. <laughs> um, but if I was living with somebody else, they'd probably hate the way I load it, you know? Joyce, you listen Ain't that to just this? life. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, just make sure when you quote unquote overlook an offense, uh, it does not pe- mean put that offense into storage. It means overlook it, let it go for real. Um, overlooking means forgiving and forgetting just as God has forgiven our sins. So just like God, you know, we're told that God has forgiven our sins and has cast, a, cast them as far away from us as the east is from the west, that they are utterly gone. They are not going to be brought back to bear against us. We will not have to answer for those sins again because God has forgiven us truly. And we'll talk about uh, we'll talk more in next week's episode about what forgiveness really looks like, um, how confession works and what for, what forgiveness is meant to look like. Uh, but for now, it's important to just recognize that there is a forgiving and to the extent that's possible, a forgetting that comes along with it as well, that we're giving up the right to bring that up to that person ever again. Good segue, Doug, because you may be asking, what about my rights? What about my <laughs> I rights? Got rights? I got rights. What about my rights? Many of us think that we should not overlook an offense because we have, quote unquote, the right to make our point. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, rights are not something that we deserve or possess for our own benefit. Rights are privileges given to us by God, okay? We are to use them only for His glory. We've talked about this before, but it's worth repeating, is how we live our lives should be pursuing and giving glory to God. And that includes this idea of conflict and resolution and when to overlook an offense and everything that we've been talking about, is, is we should be asking ourselves, what gives God glory? So ask yourself, will exercising my rights honor God by showing the power of the gospel in my life? Will exercising my rights advance God's kingdom, or will it advance only my own interests? That's a huge one. Mm-hmm. And will exercising my rights benefit others? Mm. There's uh, there's so much that needs to be done in the ter- in terms of self assessment and self reflection in this topic of conflict resolution because we have choices that we have to make. We need to make the choice of how we approach. Uh, another person or how we approach a conflict. And we need to be asking ourselves and in asking God and in doing this in, in conversation with God, it needs to be a part of our prayer life of, you know, will exercising my rights advance God's kingdom or will it advance only my own interests? What is at the root in my heart right now? Hmm. Is it that I want to get back so that I feel better or, or is it I need to address something um, in order that we can reconcile in that God is given glory in that reconciliation. First mm-hmm. Corinthians 10, 31 through 33 says, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, you must do all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or for the church of God. That is the plan I follow too. I try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what I like or what is best for me, but what is best for them so they may be saved. Mm. I like what you said a second ago about um, that the rights that we claim 
you know, the inalienable rights that human beings have are actually just privileges that are given by God, that he's actually bestowed those rights. Uh, and that as members of the family and as followers of Jesus, just as Jesus laid down his rights, we're willing to do the same. So this is a huge step of maturity that's not easy. It's not an easy one to take um, because obviously we all have an internal tendency to kind of behave a little bit like children in this area where we, we just want to say mine on everything. <laughs> that's mine. I want this. I want that. And I want to be happy and I want to feel good all the time and that sort of thing. But Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. And that may mean giving up some of our, like Jason said, quote-unquote rights so that we can become the, the, the person that God wants us to be and show kindness to others and resolve conflict to his glory. All right. Uh, we got lots more to talk about next week, but for now, why don't we hit pause on this and talk about some doables really quickly. I think one that we re- referenced earlier that I'll just hit again is pick up the book, The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy. It's a great, great book. Um, very accessible, uh, not a hard read, not super long, but just really powerful. And it won't just explain the the need for conflict resolution. It walks you through a very robust plan to deal with conflict. So this is a perfect time. This is the time of year where you're going to be spending more time indoors, more time with people, and you've got to get those relationships under control. Not just because it's going to make life better for you, but because it will actually give glory and honor to God if we will do that. So check out The Peacemaker. Uh, and I think the second one, Jason, let's just, everybody come back next week. Hear the, hear the conclusion of this two-part series. Next week, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about specifically how to confess and uh, bring reconciliation uh, through conflict. And we're going to kick it off with a confession discussion, which actually we've been wanting to do on the show for a while. So Mm -hmm. that's going to be very good. Uh, So just come on back next week. We look forward to, to talking with you again. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of video content. And if you're already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcasts on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app, so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com doable to check out all our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week.